Hello, and welcome to the Double Take Podcast with Jess and Jenny, where we give our takes on all things TV. I'm Jess, and here with me is Jenny. This week, we're going to talk about the return of Ted Lasso for its third season. But before we jump into that, let's chat. How are you, Jenny? I know you were just on vacation in Norway. How was was that? It was great. Thank you for asking. Yeah, for the last week, I guess, I was up above the Arctic Circle, and um, it was excellent. It was really cold, but I like snow, so that was good. And I saw the Northern Lights, which was pretty chill. Can cross that one off my bucket list or check it off my whatever. Anyway, um, I did not have a chance to watch too much TV, although I did expressly for this podcast and our newsletter download a few things, including the episodes of Ted Lasso and the uh, entire new season of Shadow and Bone which I meant to watch on the eight-hour flight and then wound up watching one episode and then not. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't watch I can't watch eight hours of TV straight as much as I normally would do that when I was like in college or high school. <laughs> Is it because of the show? Um, a I little. I think you can. <laughs> so yeah, okay. <laughs> Without the opportunity to get up and walk around, I feel like I could watch eight hours of television if I'm in my home and I can like also tidy while I'm doing it or just like multitask. But when you're stuck, I was in a middle seat, first of all, for the eight hours mm. of the flight. Um, when you can't do anything, but sort of just like shift around in your seat and watch TV. I think that doesn't help. Also, yeah, I mean, no spoilers here to you, I think. Shadow and Bone as a series is not the best. I really like one of the uh, series of books that this show is loosely based on, the Six of Crow series, which we've also talked about before on the pod. Um, but I'm just like, eh. Yeah, so that that could be a factor. It was you liked season one though, didn't you? I liked season one fine. Yeah, I definitely liked it more than I did. I was definitely excited for season two, the smallest amount, but now I'm I'm less than excited. It's oh. just like it's more it's worse in the ways that bothered me um, than it was in the first season. It's like there are too many storylines overlapping. They're trying to do a lot at once and like satisfy. Not, they're not even trying to satisfy the fans because they've changed so much from the books. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's uh, the like pacing is weird. Anyway, I don't know. Yes. yes, all of these things existed in the first season, and I was so confused why everybody liked it so much. I don't know. But... Okay, first of all, I don't know if anyone liked it so much, but I do think well, that some people did. Yeah, I think I was willing to overlook. I don't think I thought it was like an excellent show, but I <laughs> I liked some of the storytelling and this season is just like they're they're kind of going all over the place even more so than the first season it's like they're they're trying to stick with the through line that they had and the main characters that they had but they've also introduced not only new uh, main characters from other series which they already had in the first season but like more main characters in their storylines and it's just all on top of each other yeah it's I will worse. not be checking out season two. No, no, no. I think Matt is watching it as we speak, actually, in the living room as it's, he recovers from the flu. Ask him. <laughs> Maybe that's honestly a flu fugue Matt. state could be perfect. But <laughs> you need call to call him in for a quick interview. <laughs> I think it's gotten more childish, if that makes any sense. Like, it's harder to tell who the story is for than even the first one. Like the first one was like a fantasy. Mm. It was sort of like maybe teens. It was like young adults. Young probably. adults. The I mean, the characters in the books are supposed to be 
17 like range from like 15 to 19 the main characters they've obviously aged them up for the series but the like sound effects and the the action scenes all are seem like they read very childish to me and like the way that things happen it's like a lot of like this happens and then this happens rather than this happens and therefore this happens if that makes any yeah. sense yeah yeah because they're shoving too much in yeah yeah it's a no from me I would have been really surprised if you'd watched that whole season on the plane. The only show I ever successfully binge watched on a plane, because I do know what you mean, and I am a person that needs to multitask especially (laughs) much. So like that is a struggle for me to watch anything really on a plane. But I watched all of Heartstopper in one flight. Oh, that's like a good length though. Yeah. 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 And it was like short enough and I like knew it was only four hours that I like, yeah, I just told myself it was like sort of like a really long movie and it was very easily consumable to shout out to that show honestly (laughs) yeah real quick just everyone should watch yeah no I thoroughly enjoyed that but as a slight transition to our main topic of conversation I probably could have watched four hours of Ted Lasso and not had as huge a problem um because I did watch the two episodes that were available and I didn't feel fatigued Although they watched them mm-hmm. first. So I don't know. It could have been a cumulative thing. Oh, um, yeah. At that point, you've already seen too much TV. Yes. Well, the Ted Lasso episodes have gotten long this season. They're like hour-long episodes, which I I don't mind. I could probably just watch all those characters just like, doing nothing for hours. But I do feel the length a little bit, at least in the last one, the second episode that I just watched. I don't know. It's not a criticism. I have only good things to say. Well, it is a criticism. I think they might be like a tiny bit too long. I wonder, not, I don't know. I don't mean to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? To belittle your criticism. But it could, it could it possibly be that you felt the length a little bit because you were watching it so that we could talk about it and the, like, the timing Actually, yes. of us. Yes, okay. <laughs> I, I think so. And I've noticed that even with, if I sit at my desk and watch a show, the difference in my feelings mm. about that show versus if I'm sitting on the couch and watching it with Matt or even just like chilling at night watching it by myself or even watching it on the treadmill by myself. Like there's something about sitting at my desk watching it that makes it feel like work and I don't like it as much. Like whatever I'm yeah. watching, I just don't like as much. So that's definitely a mindset thing. You're right. Because I liked the first episode a lot more and I watched that with Matt like the Wednesday that it premiered. So yeah, I agree more relaxing. Before we jump into season two fully, I wanted to point out and people who've read the newsletter already know this if they mm-hmm. saw my review. But I watched a show that came out last week called Class of 07 on Prime Video. And you can watch the whole season in, again, like four hours, another short one because it's eight episodes, 30-minute episodes. It was so good and like surprisingly so because I watched the first episode and mm-hmm. I thought it was garbage. <laughs> I like literally was like, this is trash. I can't keep watching this. But then I was like, okay, I should stick with it just to be able to review it because he's, I'm not going to review something after only 30 minutes of it. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the second episode and then especially the third, I was like, wait, this might be amazing. <laughs> and then by the end of it, I was like, that was – I mean, it's not – it wasn't an A-plus show, but it was like a really, really good watch if you have – four hours like yeah. and want something new it was funny it was it was actually really funny but it's mostly like it's um ho- sort of heartwarming the way that like parts of yellow jackets feel really authentic in terms of the teenage friendships and like what that looks like and how like horrible female teens and adults can be to each other like they replicated that really well 
where they achieved that really well, the same way Yellow Jackets does. And the concept is another like women are surviving in this time, mm-hmm. not the wilderness, but in a post-apocalyptic landscape. And so there's definitely similar themes to Yellow Jackets, but it's funny instead of like mysterious and grisly. And it was just really good. And it came out the same day as Swarm, which also mm. is on Prime Video. And I feel like everyone was watching Swarm because it was getting like memefied and tweeted about and whatever. And it's Donald Glover's show. Which, uh, yeah, it checks out. Yeah. So I think people were just like excited about that one. But I'll be bummed if Class of 07 doesn't get a second season. So I like – I'm trying to campaign for everyone to watch it. Yeah. I can't wait to watch. I um, I like – we've already – yeah, touched on this, but – one of the main characters is in one of my favorite comedies, the Please Like Me, the Australian um, sitcom that I feel like not a lot of people know about. I've definitely written uh, previously on, that is in quotes, for our newsletter about that show, which I think- But is, I didn't even remember that. Yeah, you didn't so. remember. It's a deep cut. Um, but <laughs> she's also, like you mentioned, on Rain. I, yeah, I don't know if it's anything. You said the whole comedy is Australian comedy. Like it's Australian actors. Yeah, all it's through. an Australian show. I love that. I love like Australian written comedies for their specific voice. I feel like there's a little bit of a trademark of the kind of comedy that Australian comedies go for. I don't know if this is making any sense. No, it's people like, were saying that like yeah. even in like TikTok comments, people were like, oh, I love Australian comedy. And I was like, oh, I guess it had a different sort of vibe. The same I don't know way- that it stuck out to me though. Got it. Yeah. The same way people like British comedy for it's like – small little quirks it's a little bit more deadpan or at least used to be i feel like everything's sort of coming to a convergence with you know teams working from all over the world that are sort of picking parts of things that they like but um yeah there's like an earnestness mixed with a darkness to a lot of the australian comedies that i like um yeah i don't know i i have to watch more i guess to like understand the similarities between them versus just like watching this one off this i think Mm. it's the first australian comedy i've watched I saw it as being similar to the humor of like bridesmaids mm-hmm. in the like raunchiness. And I think I also compared it to book smart in the sort of like, we're not going to sugarcoat like, yeah, and we're not going to like do, I don't know. It wasn't like a really cliched version of females being funny. It was like more authentic, more real little like grittier. So it was like that plus the raunchiness of it, I thought was what stood out to me. Maybe that's Australian. Australians just like love that sort of humor. <laughs> I don't know if I it's like pure. Like I think that yeah is one avenue that that where that works well. I would love for you to watch. Please like me. I think you would enjoy it. Yeah, I should now that yeah now that I know Caitlin Stacey's in it. I do love her. She's so pretty. She's uh, beautiful. Yeah, I did also watch the first four five episodes of Swarm. There's only seven, so I'm pretty much finished with it. And it is very good. Super dark. And has horror elements for sure. I expected that. I don't think I read much about it because I'm assuming I'll watch it at some point anyway. But just knowing Donald Glover, I guess I had already assumed that would be the case. That would be the tone it would take. Because he does – Very good, yeah. Is but, it uh, is it also comedy or is it just like mostly horror? No. It is a satire sort of, but – not not played for laughs like a very very dark like not you can't call it a dark comedy I don't think personally I wouldn't I would just call it a very very dark lens into it's about like fandom and like the dark side of fandom Uh basically like 
crazy super mega fans that go on Twitter and like threaten you if you say anything bad about like Taylor Swift. Like yeah, that's yeah. what he's satirizing. But to the darkest angle that you could possibly. Uh, it's it's really good. So for people who can handle dark stuff and like a, a little bit of horror, it's not it's not like jump scares, but it's tense. Uh, if you can handle that, definitely check out Swarm. Yeah. It sounds like the kind of thing that I'll need a couple of days. I don't think I'll be able to binge watch a show like this. Yeah. It's a lot, even for me. I've been able to do like one to two max per day. It's not a it's not a feel good, that's for sure. Um, should we transition into our feel good? Yes, please. Our main feel good. No, Probably yes. everyone's main feel good show, Ted Lasso. I it's funny to think about how Ted Lasso came at a perfect time for what it is. And maybe it wasn't funny, maybe it was truly very intentional on their part, but mm. Ted Lasso premiering in 2020 when like everyone needed it, I think is fair to say. And then it ending in sort of I don't know, a time where maybe people are less in need of this sort of entertainment. But I wonder if it would have done as well if it had come out like five years before that. Yeah, it's a good point. I Yeah, I think a couple of things. I think a time where people needed that kind of entertainment, but also where people were inside and had a lot of time to watch television and maybe check out a show on a streaming platform they didn't have before. Because I do not, like, we always talk about how People got Apple TV for Ted Lasso. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Probably a confluence of those of those events. I think people definitely did. I, I will just add to that. It's funny to me now when people tell me they don't have Apple TV because, okay, what did I get it like a year and a <laughs> half ago, two years ago for Ted Lasso? And at the time I was like, oh, there isn't anything else on here. This is a waste of money. I'm just getting it to watch this one show. And then – by this point, there's so much good stuff on there that I'm Hidden, shocked though. when people tell me that they've never seen it. Yeah. I mean, well, sort of. I mean, Severance got nominated for like a ton of Emmys. Sure. But I feel like Severance took – it was definitely word of mouth for that. Like I, I don't know. I didn't – at least I wasn't the target audience for any of the ads or things like that. I heard about it because people were talking about it on social media and like you and I were – I don't know. Just like friends were watching it. And well, that's how Ted Lasso became a thing. Like, I heard about Ted Lasso from right. other people. But I just mean, like, I that the, the other shows that are on there that are good, like Bad Sisters. We've talked about how Bad Ugh, Sisters still, did not no have good marketing. It. Yeah, exactly. So True. it'll just, like, take more people talking about it. But I agree. I got it maybe a year ago, Apple TV. Uh, and I do just, like, hop on there every once in a while because I'm looking for new content to watch. But if I didn't do this podcast and newsletter with you, I don't know if I would have kept it, to no, be yeah, quite that's honest. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. I know that they make a lot of good stuff, but it's not the sort of streaming service where you're like, oh, I'll just pop on and see like there's going to be something that pops up that I've heard about before that someone's recommended to me or like when I go on Hulu and I'm like, there's going to be a bunch of old shows that I'd like to watch. Like Apple TV is different in that regard because they don't haven't purchased any anyone else's Yeah. Uh, stuff. I felt that way when I discovered Mythic Quest, which is an Apple TV original. Like it, it didn't come from anywhere else, but it felt like the kind of thing that could have been somewhere else. Um, but that's the only time that I've been just like scrolling through that app and been like, oh, this, because I've heard of other people talk about that. But again, not many. 
Anyway, There's a lot of um, stuff on there, though, if you do scroll. Like, Servant is an M. Night Shyamalan show. I feel it, like M. Night Shyamalan's movies get a lot of hype, but nobody's talking about Servant. This is what fair, I mean I by hidden. They no, I agree good... with you. <laughs> okay. I was only arguing about Severance. Got Everything it. else is definitely hidden. Every time somebody says a show that I haven't seen yet, I'm like, mm, that's on Apple TV? Are we sure? <laughs> but if it came out like a few years ago, before I had Apple TV especially, I had no idea. But anyway – Let's yeah, we let's keep actually talk about Ted Lasso. I'm sorry, I have just a lot of, into the show. No, um, a lot of ADHD good. today. So, Ted Lasso episodes one and two are out so far of season three, and I'm feeling good. I I feel positive about it. I don't know that I have any like actual critical thoughts. I feel like the show is just always good vibes. Like I'm not watching with a critical lens, and that's fun for me. I like not overthinking shows. Yeah, I have mentioned this in writing and out loud to you. I, every time new, a new season of this, which has only happened twice of Ted Lasso has come out. I feel a little like, Ooh, I remember really liking this. I hope they don't mess it up. Like, I hope I have the same reaction and I don't think anything is like overly hokey or like too saccharine. And it is hokier and more saccharine than a lot of the other TV shows that I like, but for whatever reason, the, like specific actors they picked, the writing mixed with the actors they picked, the storyline of underdog sports people doing what they can to just like make it to the next thing. All of that works so well. And I have the same, yeah, overall positive reaction. Like you said, I'm just also really enjoying it. I do every once in a while, I have like a cringy moment, but it's, it quickly passes. I was going to say, I feel like they balance it well because yeah. for every time I do think, oh, that was a like too corny the nose. of a joke, yeah. maybe. <laughs> then it like passes and it's another 20 minutes before there's another one of those moments. And it doesn't end up with me feeling like, oh, wow, this is just a really corny show. Like right. it's just really well balanced, I think. And that uh, that's okay. I, I don't need the corny jokes, but like they don't bother me. I also like – there are some instances that um, I think you're – yeah, there's like an instance where it is a corny joke and either it passes or they double down on it. And I do enjoy the doubling down because sometimes it, it does become funny. They're like, no, no, no. Like <laughs> we're That's going fair. all in That on has this. happened for sure. Yeah. I, like I said earlier though, I really think it's just that the characters are so well-written and have such great chemistry with each other. Like even odd pairings like Rebecca and Keely, their mm -hmm. friendship is so delightful and they have such yeah. good friend chemistry. Like I would watch them doing anything together at this mm -hmm. point. And now, I wouldn't say in season one or even the first half of season two, really, but like now in season three, like Roy and Jamie interacting with each other, like always brings me joy. And it's just in the way that they've created these characters with such earnesty. Like you just believe that everybody is. Exactly you just mix honesty and earnestness together in one word. Earnesty isn't a word. Mm, I don't think that, so, but maybe I'm wrong. That's all right. Like I said, I'm, my brain's having a day. Yeah, um, yeah I guess. That is literally what I meant, though, is the, um, like <laughs> honesty and earnestness. They yeah. were created in a way that everything they say feels honest and earnest. And I don't have to worry that I don't I don't know. In a normal show, like you're like, oh, is somebody like going to be mean to someone else or like make fun of someone else in a, a mean spirited way? Like the, it's not a mean spirited show, even when people are like mm -hmm. the bad guy or, you know, that sort of stereotype like Rupert we're Nate now, you still yeah. feel like they are who they say they are. You're not getting some – like what you see is what you get with this show. And I think that's comforting. It's like part of why it's comforting. 
I have two things um, based on what you just said. One is, and I could be, again, I don't completely remember. I didn't go back and watch seasons one and two, even though I said I might. Um, But I do think part of the reason that these new friendships and pairings feel good is that they also feel earned. Like they took the time over the first two seasons, if I'm remembering correctly, to establish the whole arc of like Jamie and Roy's relationship. They didn't start out as friends clearly and then they're not friends now, but they do have their moments together. Um, and the same thing with Keely and Rebecca. Like it just it doesn't feel out of place and like all of a sudden now they're together and things are happening. It feels very earned. And the second thing that I was going to say is the one thing that I do always bump on that I've just sort of chosen to forget about because it's just canon in the show is Nate's turn to villainy. <laughs> always felt like a little bit too cartoonish to me. Really? Yes. Yeah. I have so many thoughts about this. Yeah. Wow. It's almost like I asked you to lead me into this, but I didn't. <laughs> I swear. I, especially if you rewatch, which I've done, I've seen mm-hmm. season one twice now and season two once, but especially if you rewatch season two, I assume, uh, I think you'll see it more. I think when you watch it the first time, it comes off as like comedy. A lot of the things he does and says, and then when you watch back, you see, I really, like, from the very beginning, I think he came off exactly who he is now. It's just that he had this veneer of, like, oh, he's the underdog, he's a nice person, but he's so deeply insecure from the very first episode, and you see the ways in which his need for validation from Ted and then from the world like turns him into when he starts to not get that validation turns him into this like villain character mm-hmm. and I think the I don't insecurity think has played perfect all the way through um I agree with you there like and I get it a little bit but I do it felt abrupt at the mo- at the time that like his complete turn or I think a lot of people were like oh Ted, I can't, I again, can't really exactly remember what the turning point was, but I think Ted didn't listen to him one time or what, like dismissed him maybe once, maybe twice. And all of a sudden he's like, screw you guys. I'm the bad guy now. And I think that felt a little cartoonish and abrupt. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember exactly why I think that, but I, I think the, like the, his character, his underlying character and motivations are for the most part, like clear all the way through. It's, it was just the sort of events leading up to the going onto a new team and that, that felt weird. If I don't know if I'm explaining myself well, I should go back and watch. No, I think you are. Cause I've heard this argument from a lot of people. I actually even made a TikTok video about why these people oh. are wrong. <laughs> hey, <laughs> just, it's me. <laughs> I just don't, I don't think it was rushed, but I actually, I haven't heard anyone say, what you said, which is like the specific moment of like villainy. <laughs> well, I guess the, the this end of season two is very dramatic in the way that they show him and his hair is fully gray. And is if that's it's what you like mean, then like value. yes, it's very yeah. dramatic. Yeah, in a way that maybe the show hasn't really like done necessarily. But they've had other like weird, jarring moments, like in the opener for season two, <laughs> Danny kills a dog. Like I think mm-hmm. they're they're not afraid of having these sort of like odd little moments but in the grand scheme of things like the arc makes sense and I think that's that's what 
especially strikes you on a rewatch, I think. He has so mm-hmm. many little moments throughout the season and, and the first season even where he is just a complete dick. Like he calls Rebecca a shrew. He spits. He, mm-hmm. he spits on someone or does he just – I can't remember. I know he spits a lot, but he spits on someone. Uh, he like is mean to the new the new him, like the kid who replaces mm-hmm. him. He's like absolute asshole to that guy. Like there's all these little moments that add up to like, okay, when they have this dramatic like – I don't know why, but it felt very like Star Warsy to me when he's there mm-hmm. at the end and he has gray hair and he's like gone to West Ham and he's like yeah, joined yeah, yeah. the villains and they're all wearing all black. Like, I, I don't know. I think that's like part of the show's sort of like shtick almost. So it yeah. didn't, that specific like scene didn't bother me. And I just think the actual arc makes a lot of sense. I was going to point out when you were saying like you thought the relationships were earned, I was going to say like I think the, people's changes were also earned Mm. nate's in sort of a negative way and then jamie's in a positive you know like the opposite direction it's turning into sort of like a nice person yeah i wonder if nate is ever going to have like any sort of redemption arc i think maybe that was my issue is that most of the characters in Ted Lasso are show are, like have both sides. I guess yeah, Rupert. I don't know. We haven't really seen like a soft side or a redeemable side of him, but we also don't have that much of him in the show. He's just not the main character. But Nate, we've had a lot of him, and it does seem like the main thing, like the main soft side or other side, is just that he was looked down on for a long time, so we felt bad for him when he was being a dick or being insecure. It was like, oh well, that's like we can forgive him for that because look what other people have thought about him this whole time but there hasn't actually been like oh he has sparks of goodness in him which feel, and maybe that's what feels flat to me is like i don't think just, we're supposed to like him though i think it's the yeah. literal opposite of jamie like i think jamie got his redemption arc mm-hmm. and you know we saw his dad was abusive and so then we understand why he might be the way he is and then he gets this place where he's this like happy, joyful teammate that people <laughs> like and he works well with others. I think I think Nate is getting the opposite. I don't think we're Yeah, well, I don't I, think we're getting a redemption arc. I hope we don't. I think that will ruin it for me. Or if not a redemption arc, yeah. I just I maybe it's just I don't know where this is this is separate from my partial criticism of of his turn to villainy. I just like the speed of it. But um we'd see we still get little glimpses of like the text from his parents and he thinks he's going to be they're going to be proud of him and then i don't know his dad says something disparaging or another criticism against him so we keep getting these insights into or like these cues that we're supposed to feel sorry for him still but i don't know why <laughs> like I, oh I'm see i take that as more ammo against the people who say his arc was rushed i see those moments as more insight into why he is the way he is, why he's made the choices he makes, not in a way that makes us feel bad for him, but in a way that reinforces like, this isn't out of nowhere. This is, this is real character development. It definitely makes me feel bad for him though. Like every time. And then I'm sure. And then I'm, but, but I don't, but because we're not supposed to like him, it's, yeah, it's a little confusing and it doesn't feel, I guess, I don't know. There aren't any other characters where in this show where that's been the case. So it feels just feels like a tiny bit out of place. Interesting. I mean, I, I see it as like, especially with his parents, like he wanted parental figures to love him and validate mm-hmm. him. And he didn't get that growing up or, or even as an adult. And so he, Ted became his replacement dad, basically. And that's why 
he was flourishing under Ted's approval, validation, and attention. And then when he stopped getting Ted's attention, he like lashed out and freaked out. So Right, but then even like in these last few in these two episodes, when he clearly on air just disparages Ted, his want for approval has moved away from Ted, which doesn't seem like it's part of his like that it seems like he should want approval from most people, including Ted, because that's who his apparent turn to villainy started from. He lost some approval and then went berserk, like you said. Anything that Ted says that is like nice about him, shouldn't that spark some sort of good feeling in him? But instead he just gets mad. Like Yeah, I don't know. I haven't thought about that aspect of it. I think it's that so when he stopped getting Ted's approval, he looked to the rest of the world. That's why he is constantly checking Twitter. And every time he sees like, you know, people making fun of him, he like gets even angrier. I think at this point he resents Ted for letting him get to the point he got to and letting him go basically. And he doesn't forgive Ted for the actions that led to that. So I think now when Ted sort of refuses to engage in, he wants a fight, he's trying to pick a fight because he's mad at Ted and Ted's not engaging. He's not, I don't, I wouldn't say he's validating him. I think he's just like taking the higher road. And I think that pisses him off. I think that pisses Nate off. For sure. I just don't know if I, if I think it fits with his, I don't know. Now this has become a I know. I, I like, I really think character. the character's done so well. <laughs> if I ha- it has been written so well. And if I had to guess, I would assume like Nate somehow, if the arc of this season, if I had to guess like where he, they're going with his character, he's going to, I don't know. He's, Rupert's going to do something that Nate realizes is terrible. Rupert's the only person that's allowed to be like fully just like a caricature. Like they have. Well, but this is my point is that you just said you didn't think that Nate was going to get a redemption arc, but it seems like I don't think he's going to get a redemption arc. I think he's going to understand that like he has been a bad person, but I don't think it's going to be suddenly, suddenly Nate's great. Suddenly like people like him again. I think it'll just be like a recognition of like he needs help. He's been a dick. And I think in like that Ted Lasso way where you're just like (laughs) acknowledging something. Because like even when they would acknowledge like Jamie's a dick, Jamie had an abusive dad. He was still a dick when we first saw that. Like it wasn't like, oh, suddenly Jamie's great. Oh, yeah. So I think in some sort of way similar to that, they will find a way to be like, Nate is who he is. He has a lot of work to do on himself. And like that will be our takeaway. It won't be like he's back on the team. It won't be like Ted has forgiven him. I think it'll just be like this is him and Mm -hmm. these are the problems he lives with. I don't think he'll end up being as much of a focal point in season Ted three has. as it, it seemed like he was going to be at the end of season two. But I could be wrong. Perhaps. He's been a pretty big he focal point. He was not in this episode. episode. The second episode. The second episode? Um, yeah, I just watched yeah, it an hour ago. He's not <laughs> even in it. But yeah, he's definitely in the first episode. Hmm. I mean, the we'll first see. Episode, yeah. I. I don't know. I have fun even just like seeing West Ham. They like his uh, Rupert's office was so cool. It was like very dungeony. <laughs> yeah, oh, super very villain-y. super villainy. So yeah. I don't know. I think like if they do anything with yeah. it, I hope it stays at that sort of level of like it's just this odd dramatized like villain situation. Mm-hmm. The way Rupert sort of always has been over in the corner. And if there's more to do with Nate, then yeah, hopefully they don't. I don't know. Hopefully they don't prove me wrong. I'm really trying to defend them over here because I think thus far it's been done very well. <laughs> hmm. um, 
I have very few notes from episodes cool. one and two other than what we already talked about. And they're mostly little things that I liked, um, like little lines. Specifically in episode one, I stopped and paused watching to write down everybody run except Roy because that was the first thing that made me chuckle out loud on a plane, which I expressly would I like I hate to laughing out loud on planes. Like it's like the worst place to laugh out loud. <laughs> Knowing... Oh, yeah, it's bad. But I did – I wasn't loud, but I did chuckle. Wait, what <laughs> part is that? I don't remember which part that is. He's bringing them all on the field trip to the sewer, and he's like, last one in the bus is a, something, probably not rotten egg, but something similar. And then he goes, everybody run except Roy. And then they all run, and Roy just like stalks slowly. To oh, yeah. Um, that was perfect. Loved it a lot. Uh, what else do I have here? Oh, the little Lego – Ted's son. I just thought that – him putting the little Lego th- um, trophy and making it for his dad and and also the on the nose but again cute sort of like why is Nate over off to the side and his and Ted saying like oh well he doesn't he's not on the team anymore and his son being like well that doesn't mean you can't still be friends and then he moves Nate whatever I was like yeah a little like cheesy but I like the sun and his Lego. Mm, I don't um, like uh, precocious kids are like I always get annoyed. No, no child <laughs> is this way. They had two of them in that episode because they had the little girl too. Oh, yeah, the um, niece, like Roy's, Roy's niece, and like she's okay in small doses, but like oof, two precocious kids in one episode. That was a lot for me. I guess I think it fits with the whole uh, like um, heightened reality of the show. Yeah. Like no, it does. Yeah. I just that annoys me. I don't like that. Not to be nitpicky, but to be nitpicky. Um, okay, final thing from episode one was having Jamie be the one to say poope oh. in his accent <laughs> multiple yes. times in the I episode. Agree. Excellent writing decision. The only I mean, way that that would have worked for me, I'm pretty sure. Because, like, that's not my type yes, of humor. I don't exactly. like that. But, yeah, I thought it was really funny. But they, like, clearly know that it works when he says Keely's name. Keely. <laughs> like oh, yeah. that lilts. Um, and then, yeah, having a scatological sort of joke. But when, in that accent was just great. Um, episode two is another Jamie note. I think that was my only note from episode two. Oh, this was sort of – I didn't know if this was an acting choice or if this was just the actor who plays Jamie reacting to the scene and them not using a different take. Um, but at 1417, time code, if you're willing – to look it up if you're not you but listeners um i could when roy kent is blowing up at the reporter whose name is escaping me right now trent grim trent <laughs> chip uh trent grim when yeah when he's blowing up at um trent jamie is in the background like snickering Oh, interesting. Trying to keep it together. Uh, and I was wondering if that was just the actor. Which I, thought, was I thought all of the the directing of all of the group scenes was actually really good in this episode because I noticed that even with when they said that they uh, hired the Zaza or Yava or whatever the heck that guy's Zava. name is. Uh, Zava. I was close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like the way that everybody reacts and like celebrates in that moment, I noticed even without pausing or rewinding, like everybody's mm-hmm. little unique character decision, like fist bumping or like jumping yeah. or hugging someone and everyone had, a, I felt like a very unique character decision. So I don't know if that's the directing or what, but really well God, done. Also, be so Beard just shouting, ah! Every time <laughs> in that episode, every time something 
happened. Oh, like, that annoyed me a little. It, I'll it, be honest. It, I, it was so close to annoying me, but I was like, honestly, I think it was the doubling down of it. Because the first time it happened, I was like, hello, that was weird. So And upsetting. then the fact that it happened <laughs> yeah. like three times, I was like, okay, this is, I don't know. It's making me laugh. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a fine line. And they often do, they often make the right decision on the doubling down or the like going for extra cheese when it's not necessary, but sometimes it works. Um, it must be so much fun was what I was about to say to be an actor in that group that plays the team. Oh, probably. Okay, but they're just like all friends. I hope. I wonder all- if they're ever going to come back to uh, Tahib Jamo. What's his character's name? I can only think of the actor's name. Oh, Rebecca and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I don't remember. I can only think of the actor's name. Uh, I wonder if they'll thing. ever acknowledge that or if they're going to pretend like it didn't happen because everybody hated it. I feel like they might just never acknowledge it again. I only had one note from both of these episodes because I didn't yeah. – well, I didn't write notes down the first one. Um, I want Dr. Sharon to come back. She was in it for like 10 seconds in the first oh, episode. Yeah. And I don't know if that means she'll be in more episodes or not. But she wasn't in episode two, and I know she doesn't have like a big part in this season. But she's just so delightful. I hope there's more Were little we, little moments. Two things on that: Were we supposed to recognize the man that was in her bed in the first episode? No, I don't think so. Because I didn't, but I got the feeling that I maybe was supposed to. Oh, um, I don't think so. Okay, good. And then second, I I had a weird brain like circular malfunction where I. I was like, I recognize, I mean, clearly I've seen the other seasons, but I was like, I recognize this actor from somewhere else. And then finally realized she's in um, Sandman, that Netflix, Netflix series Sandman. Yes. But I think when I was watching Sandman, I was like, where do I know her from? Oh, Ted Lasso. And so I it was just like this like circular thing. I think yeah. I had the same moments that you did with that. Somehow, yeah, she seemed more recognizable. But now we've Again. seen it a few times. So now she's – but still, yes. I don't know her name. Nope. That's fair. Dr. Sharon's name is Sarah Niles. I know that. Wait. That is who I'm talking about. No, she's not in Sandman. Yeah, she is. Oh. Then I'm Wait, thinking of someone you? else. <laughs> who are you talking who about? Might not be in Ted Lasso, but definitely was in something else that I watched recently, and I immediately pictured her face when you said that. I won't be able to think of it on the spot, so I will get oh. back to you on that one. But yeah, I like really thought we were talking about someone else. Wait, let me just make sure that I'm correct in this. Um, I thought I thought we can, so. Let's do that offline. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, I think that's it for me. Okay, cool. Me too. Okay. Um, I could tell you're very distracted by looking up this person. So I will do our little sign off. So thanks everyone for listening. <laughs> we will be back on Monday or Tuesday to talk about the last four episodes of Daisy Jones and the Six, which we will be watching this weekend. Got a lot of TV to watch. In my head, I sung that too. Got a lot of living to do from Bye Bye Birdie. I'm so glad you you did do that out loud. Uh, But then you said (laughs) it, so I don't know if that's better. Um, No, but we'll see everybody then. Thanks for listening. Find links to follow us on socials and subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to Double Take. If you like what you heard, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review. See you next time. The Double Take Podcast is produced by Jess Ball and me, Jennifer Cullen. 